Hey guys, welcome to The Nursing Co-op. I am so excited that you're here. On this podcast, our goal is to build your confidence, expand your knowledge, and create a supportive, cooperative community for nurses, one nurse at a time. My name's Ashley. I'm a registered nurse on a mission to empower nurses to build meaningful careers and change nursing culture along the way. In our time together, I hope to share my experiences, provide you with resources, and create a space where you can find your footing as a nurse without judgment. We will unravel nursing topics and make connections with amazing guests to give you all of the tools that you need to build an incredible life and career. I believe that it takes a village to build a strong nurse. We are your village. This is The Nursing Co-op. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Nursing Co-op. I'm so excited that you guys are here for this week's episode because we're going back to some skills. And we are going to start by talking about the basics of chest tubes. So the reason that I picked this topic is because I know that for me, chest tubes were something that confused the heck out of me for a really long time. And honestly, I see them so sporadically now that even now I'm like, oh, shoot, which what thing goes where? What am I looking for here? What's the normal output? All of these different things that you forget if you don't see them all the time. But it's important to talk about because regardless of where you are, you may encounter a chest tube and it's really vital that you know how to handle it, what you're looking for, some safety things, what it's actually there for. So I wanted to just break down a few basics for you guys in a, in a quick episode that you guys can easily digest and come back to whenever you have a chest tube. So first things first, what is a chest tube? So this is a surgical drain that's inserted into the chest wall and in the pleural space or the mediastinum depending on your patient and it's there to drain air fluid blood or pus and the reason that we need this tube is to drain that space because any of that fluid or pus blood whatever it is air in that space compresses the lung and causes it to collapse. So we need a chest tube to drain that space so that the lung can reinflate. Okay, so let's break down different conditions you may see where you have a chest tube. So like I said, typically we look at blood, fluid, air, or pus. So those have different names. So this will give you an indication of what issue your patient was dealing with at cause them to get the chest tube. Or if you have a patient with these issues, you might realize at that point that they need a chest tube. So let's briefly talk about the four different types that you typically see. So first one is a pneumothorax. A pneumothorax refers to air in the pleural space that compresses the lung. So this can be caused by a number of factors. But big ones to look out for are things like a chest injury, especially any penetrating injury can cause air to come into the pleural space and compress the lungs. This can also be caused by procedures that we do. So this one is humongous to consider, especially if you are anywhere like an ICU or step down where you may be doing these procedures or at least assisting with them, that you know that this is a possible risk. So things like a central line, putting in a central line, if it's not done correctly, can cause this problem where there's an injury to the pleural space, air is allowed in and the lung compresses. This can also happen with improper placement of an NG tube or an OG tube. Now I have seen this happen once 
in my time in the ICU, but I've heard many stories of this happening. So this is why it is so important for you to verify where that NG or OG tube is to make sure that it's in the correct space. Because especially if you have a patient who can't tell you that it feels uncomfortable, that they feel like they need to cough, if it's an intubated patient, sedated, they can't tell you how that feels. And so you have to go by symptoms. But just know that if you are doing things like a central line, an NG tube, if they're on a ventilator and they have really high PEEP, any of these procedures carry the risk of causing a pneumothorax for your patient. So just have that in mind if you're ever assisting, or if you have a patient who just got one of those and is now showing symptoms, know that it could be a pneumothorax and they need a chest tube. The other factor that can cause pneumothorax is disease. So one of the big ones is cystic lung disease, but there are a number of diseases that can cause a pneumothorax to occur. Next is a hemothorax. So a hemothorax is when blood enters the pleural space and compresses the lung. These can be caused by trauma, so especially penetrating trauma, so like a broken rib, uh, blunt force trauma from a car accident, gunshot wounds, stabbing, all of those things can cause a hemothorax. This can also be caused similar to a pneumothorax by an infection of some sort or by a pulmonary embolism. An empyema is when pus enters the pleural cavity, when pus builds up in that space and compresses the lung. This one is most often caused by an untreated or very persistent bacterial infection, pneumonia. And then lastly, a pleural effusion is when fluid enters the pleural space and compresses the lung. This can be caused by CHF exacerbation, liver, kidney disease, cancers, certain infections can all cause fluid to build up in that pleural space, compressing the lung. So any of those scenarios typically are treated with a chest tube. So you want to be looking out for symptoms of a collapsed lung. So keep an eye out for a stabbing pain that is new, especially when your patient is breathing. So when they're inhaling or exhaling, if that pain is worse, it could be this issue. Chest pain that's associated, shortness of breath, increased work of breathing, increased respiratory rate or heart rate and a really dry hacking cough. All of those may indicate that your patient has a collapsed lung. Of course, if your patient's just having these symptoms out of nowhere, that's not always the first conclusion that you'll come to. But if you have a patient come in with something like a chest injury, or if you just did something like put in an NG tube and all of a sudden your patient is desatting, they're coughing, they're fighting the vent, they're turning blue, they're having new pain, just know that that could be a pneumothorax. So if this happens, a chest tube is inserted, and essentially what this is doing is it's connected to a drainage system that we'll talk a little bit about, but uses either gravity or suction, depending on the orders for your patient, to reinflate the lung by restoring negative pressure and removing whatever is causing the collapsed lung. So fluid, air, blood, whatever is in the pleural cavity, the chest tube is there to remove it, drain it so that the lung can reinflate. That negative pressure is really important because it's allowing stuff to come out of the pleural space, but it's not allowing any air to re-enter. Okay, so we talked a little bit about what a chest tube is, what conditions we're treating with this, how it works at a very basic level. So let's dive into four really important components of a chest tube that I want you guys to consider if you have a patient 
with one. First thing you want to keep an eye on is your drainage collection chamber. So that is where if it's like blood or fluid, that is where that will be collecting and that allows you to monitor the color and the amount. This is typically on the right side of the chest tube, right where the tube connects and where it's coming from the patient. Typically, depending on your patient and their condition, it's about, you'd look for about 100 or less than 100 cc's of drainage per hour. Otherwise, you may want to talk to your physician if there's a lot of drainage happening all at once. Or if you're not getting any drainage at all, also something to just bring to the attention of your provider in case it's time for the chest tube to come out or if there's a positioning issue. But just keep an eye on your drainage throughout your shift. Also be very careful not to knock your chest tube atrium over because that drainage can then go into the other two drainage columns. So typically on a chest tube, you have three drainage columns all the way up to about like 2000 output. But if you knock it over and it tips over, the blood from the first chamber will go into the second chamber and then your measurements are all messed up. So just be careful when you're working with chest tubes that you're not like tipping them over because it can just make your life more difficult. Okay, next piece to look at is your water seal chamber. This is typically on the lower left-hand corner if you were looking at a chest tube atrium face on. And the water in here should fluctuate with inspiration and expiration. If it does not, it could be an issue. So it might be like a, like a kink in the system or the lung may have re-expanded. So just keep an eye on whether that water is fluctuating with inspiration and expiration because that can tell you a little bit about your patient. The air leak monitor is right next to the water seal chamber. It's essentially part of the same thing. And what you're looking for in that chamber is excessive bubbling. Now, if your patient has a pneumothorax, which is the air in your pleural cavity, that bubbling intermittently may be seen and is okay, but keep an eye on it. Otherwise, excessive bubbling, especially continuously in that air leak monitoring area may indicate that you have a leak somewhere, which is not what you want. As we talked about earlier, we want that negative pressure where things are coming out of the pleural space, but air is not allowed to re-enter. So if you have excessive bubbling there, there may be a leak somewhere allowing air to re-enter the pleural space, which is not helping our lung reinflate. So keep an eye out for excessive bubbling. If you see a lot of it and you don't have a pneumothorax, this is not something that you expected, just check your system. Make sure that you don't have any leaks. If you're not finding one, but you're still seeing a lot of bubbling, grab an extra pair of hands, have somebody else look at it with you or tell your provider. Okay, and lastly is your suction control chamber. This is typically located on the upper left-hand side of your chest tube atrium. And there's usually a little blue tab at the top where you would attach wall suction. Now this is if this is ordered for your patient, but what you do here is to set that up, you would um, attach it to wall suction. You'd set that wall to constant suction and at least negative 80 millimeters of mercury. And you want to look and see if the little orange accordion is expanded. If it is expanded appropriately, then that means your suction is working. Now, most chest tube atriums are preset to a negative 20, and it usually stays there unless something else is ordered by your provider. Typically, you don't have to worry about touching that setting, but 
I have had a couple where they want it set to something else, but usually you just stay at negative 20, you attach it to wall suction and it controls it there. I think a lot of people get really scared to change the suction on the wall because they think that it's going to cause more forceful suction on that chest tube, but that chamber is what regulates that. So regardless of what you're cranking up the wall to, if that little orange accordion expands, it's set and it's not going to suck any harder than it needs to, if that, that sounds funny but that's exactly what what how it works so just keep an eye out make sure that that accordion is expanded if you are supposed to be on suction if your provider then says that they want to switch to water seal just take it off of suction and you should be water sealed now i'm not going to go crazy into setup of these things if you feel uncomfortable with setting up a chest tube i would just look up a video on youtube chest tube setup, they're typically all the same. So that'll also give you a good picture of what to look for, where to where to look for the suction control chamber, the water seal, the air leak, the drainage chamber, all of that will be explained in a video as well. So if you are a more visual learner, I would highly suggest that you look one of these up because it just will help you feel more comfortable if you have a patient with a chest tube. That is the intention of this episode and any resources that you use is just to increase your comfort and confidence working with these devices. Now, of course, I could go on and on about chest tubes. I'm not going to go crazy here. I want this to be a little brief episode for you, but I want to at least finish with things that you can look out for if your patient has a chest tube, things to remember when you're caring for one and what to watch for. So number one, we've kind of already talked about, but is any kinks or pressure on that tubing. You don't want this to happen because it can cause poor drainage, which defeats the purpose of the chest tube. It can also cause trauma, pain, discomfort because the chest tube is not working properly. And that could lead to it needing to be repositioned or it coming out depending on the situation. So you want to watch for any kinks or pressure on the tubing for any extended period of time. You also want to make sure that you do not lift that drainage drainage system above the patient's chest. It should always stay below the level of the chest at all times because that fluid can then drain back into the pleural space. So just make sure you're doing that. If you have to transport a patient with a chest tube, just make sure that you're not like lifting the thing up or hanging it on an IV pole. It should not be that high. So always make sure like if you have to, it can be on the bed but don't raise it above that point. If your tubing, if the chest tube becomes dislodged, comes out, try not to panic. It always feels like you have to panic, but you want to just quickly cover the site with a gloved hand. So if you have a glove in your hand, cover that site and ask for help. So you want someone to bring you typically a petroleum gauze of some sort and then dry gauze to go on top with tape. So you'll Put the petroleum gauze on the site. You'll cover that with the dry gauze. And then you typically want to tape three sides down. That will allow air to escape, but not enter that space. So that will cover you in the meantime while you figure out what you're going to be doing with this chest tube, whether that's going to be going back in or not. But don't panic. Cover it with a gloved hand and get these supplies so that you can make a quick dressing over that site if the chest tube becomes dislodged. Oh, and then lastly, make sure that you're keeping an eye on that dressing and the site and make sure that you palpate around the area. So around the chest tube site to make sure that you don't have any crepitus, which would indicate that you're getting air into the subcutaneous space. And this can indicate that you have some sort of leak in your system. So keep an eye out for it. If you find it, let your provider know as well. Okay. 
So I know that was a lot to cover in a quick period of time, but I wanted to demystify chest tubes, give you guys some basics so that when you have a patient with a chest tube, you feel a little bit more comfortable and confident working with that system. Practice is always going to help with these things. So even if it's not your patient, if you have someone on the unit that has a chest tube, maybe just chat with their nurse and see if you can interact with it a little bit and gain some familiarity. Because if you don't have them often, when they come around, it feels a little bit scary each time. Trust me, because now that I'm in the cath lab, we really don't have them very often. So when I do see a patient with one, I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to refresh myself on how to interact with these devices and how to read them and make sure they're working appropriately. So use this episode as a quick lesson on the basics. Share it with someone that you know may benefit from some education when it comes to chest tubes and know that we're all in this together, this learning phase where devices feel new, where you may not see something very often, so you feel uncomfortable with it. And if you're in that position, I hear you and I get you. This is one, and I mean, it still comes back to me when I get them occasionally that I'm like, I should know how to do this, how what to look for, but I forget. And I feel like an idiot and I feel like I can't ask because I'm too far along or some crap that I've put in my head. So I'm here to call that out and say, let's ask questions. It's okay if you don't know something. It's okay to admit when you don't know something. It's actually a really important trait as a nurse. We have to be comfortable saying, I don't know, because that is what keeps our patients safe. And that is what continues us along our path of learning as nurses. If you never ask, you're never going to know. So I hope this episode answered some of the questions that you have around chest tubes. Of course, there's so much we could go into, but I wanted to just cover the basics. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that you're having an awesome week. Keep an eye out for Wednesday's episode where we'll talk about a wellness topic. And if you have not already, go back a week and listen to last week's episode on Monday where we reflect on 100 episodes, which is amazing. And go on Instagram because we're doing a really cool giveaway in the month of July. All you have to do is interact the most. The person who is interacting with me the most will win the giveaway and I'll be doing mini giveaways throughout the month as well. I'm just really excited and I want to thank you guys for being here and for continuing to listen. So it's really an easy way for me to do that. And I love giveaways because I am a gift giver. So check out that post on Instagram. Go listen to last week's episode and have an incredible week. I love you guys. You're doing a great job. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. See ya. Thank you so much for spending some time with me and our community in the nursing co-op. If you liked this episode and found some value in the content, please share it with any and all of your nursing friends on social media and tag me at Ashley underscore nursing co-op so that I can thank you personally. That way, we can continue to build this community and change nursing culture for the better. I can't wait to see what we create. I will see you next week, but until then, happy nursing.